Hey everyone, it's uh, Dave Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play podcast, where we talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses. And today, uh, I've got Vikram Rajan with me, and Vikram is uh, one of the owners and founders of phoneblogger.net. We're going to be talking about content marketing and keeping top of mind amongst the people who are most likely to refer you. And so we're largely talking about professional businesses like accountants, lawyers, financial planners, business consultants, et cetera. But I think quite a bit of what's going to be in this conversation is applicable to people who are doing some kind of content marketing or trying to remain relevant within the view of an audience in general. Would, Vic, would you say that that's true? Yeah, exactly. If there's ever an opportunity where being top of mind and staying top of mind benefits you, then we'll, we'll definitely cover the basis. So what was interesting to me about this topic, of course, is content marketing is essentially what I do because to, to, for my business as a, as a consultant. And I release a video every week and I talk about different things, mostly questions that people submit. And it makes it relevant because now there's a bunch of stuff out there that people can find when they're searching and then when they find me, they, they can check me out without actually having to meet me by, by looking at a bunch of my stuff, right? So, um, but I have experienced, you know, having individuals in my life, you know, that are in related industries who send me people, right? Sure. And, and this is the, the referability thing. Sure. And so why don't we start out by talking a little bit about how you got started with phone blogger and, and what the problem was that that you realized other people, you know, would also have, and and how you wanted to address it. Sure. So uh, I started off as a marketing consultant, uh, very very much for the same population, professional services, mainly boutique lawyers and, and CPA firms, and um, helped them develop marketing action plans. And what we discovered very quickly, and we saw a rhythm and a pattern, was that. Um, most of our clients were getting their more lucrative business through word of mouth referrals from these uh, allied professionals, centers of influence, et cetera. Uh, back then, this was about eight, nine years ago. So social media wasn't like such a, a big deal. Search engine optimization was definitely there, uh, to, to, but it was still maybe not the amount of traffic as today, certainly. And even still today, I would say uh, for most of our clients, their more lucrative clients tend to come more sustainably through uh, their word of mouth referral relationships as opposed to those like urban legends, those like white elephants that people get with SEO and it happens, I'm sure, but for our clients, it's more sustainable. However, they were essentially uh, missing out on all of those relationships because they were out of sight, out of mind, and thus out of a lot of those referrals. And so we knew one of the ways to stay top of mind was to send out an email newsletter. And even back then, this was like 20, 2009, 2010, uh, even then email newsletters, uh, was, was kind of passe. It was kind of like, all right, is that what we're going to do? I'm like, look, right now, this is, the not, this is the dominant way that people are communicating and staying top of mind electronically using the internet. Uh, and as social media creeped up to this day, more people check more email more times a day, more than any other social media combined. Um, and of course, that's good, definitely for older generations, older as in like, you know, 35 plus, but even the mature millennial crowd, as they get into the professional workplace, uh, are having their Gmail open or having their, their mail app open because that is definitely the place that they're getting information from in the workplace, professionally, uh, and even personally as they have more mature, complex lives. So 
we knew email was the answer. The problem was for our clients was that they didn't have the time to sit down and write articles. Uh, they knew they had to do this. You don't want to send an email that just says, hey, don't forget me. Yeah, well, well, the irony is that sometimes you do, right? I mean, those are essentially what holiday cards are or birthday cards. Yeah. Uh, so some, you know, it actually ironically does happen where it's like, hey, don't forget me, which is essentially Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Uh, so yes, sure. and, and I'm not a huge fan of that because it's, that's all it is. You're not adding value to the other. Maybe if you wish someone a happy birthday, sure, you're adding some amount of value, but just to clutter someone's inbox for the season's greetings is kind of annoying. But so you need content. Uh, and our clients were fo focused rightfully on their, uh, their own clients, their own work, and marketing would fall by the wayside. And I said, look, having them sit down and write an article would take weeks, um, and getting them to edit it would take weeks. And we said, well, what if we just brainstormed article ideas with our clients over the phone, typed up what they said, uh, make sure it's within their uh, attorney advertising and other compliance obligation rules. We know what they need to say or not say. Uh, we'll get their approval. And once they approve it, we can then log on to their website for them and add it as a blog post and, and format that blog article for search engines and make it eye-catchy, add a copyright-approved image, do all the stuff that's supposed to be done. We can then take that article and promote it through their social media channels. Um, so, so some, and, and some, people, some people out there will, will attempt to do something like they'll, they'll maybe purchase sort of generic sure. articles and they'll sure. try to edit them, make them personal or... Or they'll just hire someone and say, I want you to write blogs for sure. my blog sure. posts, you know, for my blogs. Um, but, and what you're doing is, is you're basically helping people kind of outsource it, but there's still that actual content from the person because you, you do an interview with them and then the interviewer goes and then writes those things. Correct. Yeah, we use our clients' words. So our client articles sound like our clients. They are the author. Uh, they're not literally dictating it because that can be very boring, uh, but it's more of a conversation. Right. But all our clients are subject matter experts. They're thought leaders. They want to be known for their expertise and their excellence. So while sometimes it's definitely cheaper to like just hire a ghostwriter or, or uh, subscribe to a library, look, when, you know, push comes to shove, when it comes to marketing, something is better than nothing. So if that's all they can afford, that's, you know what, at least they're doing something which is probably more than 80, 90% of their competitors. So they're going to have a leg up. However, but for that kind of subset that really want to make a name for themselves and maybe they want to be invited to speak, maybe they want to write a book one day, uh, or they know they are the subject matter expert better than these knowledge libraries, that they are, they are more attuned to their client, that they can speak better to that specific demographic market, not just answer a question the way a dictionary would, but really be a thought leader. And for those folks, their personal brand, their reputation, their influence in the, in the marketplace is important to them and the way other people perceive them is important because they don't want to be seen as cheap or just recycling generic content. They want others to perceive them as a subject matter expert. They may not always be allowed to be called expert. That's kind of a, a sticking point. Um, right. But they, they are thought leaders and they can be perceived that way. And, and we do that through exactly that process, that phone blogging. It's kind of like what you said, David, it's preserving their voice, literally recording it and then figuratively uh, their personal brand comes out. So what's, so here's, here's a little snippet. We, we had a conversation before I hit record and the topic of the yellow pages came up, but I'm not sure if you know, I had a seven year career with the yellow pages. I did. I know that. Oh, okay. Good. So, and I liked how I was breaking down their business model to you. One, one, <laughs> of, the, one, one of the worst things I hated dealing with was when people said, Oh, all of our clients come from word of mouth. Yeah. Right. And, and the fact of the matter is that yes, you know, word of mouth is a critically important thing. But 
what we actually had statistics and, and we had study evidence that showed people can pass the name of your firm along. And then the person who receives that name would then open the yellow pages to yes. get the phone number. It right? happens now. Because the information wasn't complete. Correct. And, and it, 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 the biggest piece of information, the, the biggest, you know, sort of holy grail piece of data that we had was we actually had a dentist who did a call measurement study, which means he ran an ad in the yellow pages and he changed the phone number in the ad so that every time somebody called that number, it would forward to him, but it was counted by a computer. Okay. And, and the people, like, well, yeah. the, the call display data was also recorded. So, yeah. so we could say, you know, oh, here's a photocopy of salesman, but here's, you know, one of your real customers, they looked in the phone book. Right. He, he, he got that list and he said, oh, this, this is crazy. This data must be incorrect because this shows my daughter opened the yellow pages to call my office. And we said, yeah, your daughter doesn't even know your work number. <laughs> she's, she's opening the yellow pages to find your phone number. So when you were in getting into marketing nine years ago and people were saying, well, my, my biggest clients come from word of mouth, right. was that being used as an objection for why they didn't need to work on marketing? Or, or were um, they open to trying to improve that? Yeah, I think it was more that they were open to improving that. I think they realized that, you know, it's just, you know, that I use that cliche a lot out of sight, out of mind, because I think it resonated. They knew that, okay, we were getting, you know, one referral from these five people each. Well, I would say, great. Well, what, um, what amount of effort would it take to get two referrals from those five people? Let's focus on that because I've just doubled your referrals. Yeah. So it's not going to, you know, these aren't companies that are, or firms that are getting hundreds of calls a day. So it was a very, and this is kind of pre-phone blogger, I would do that. And it was kind of like old school referral growth hacking before that was a phrase, um, something I should bring back. Uh, and it was a basics. It was a simple stuff. And, and you know, it's, it's all, we all know, right? Get, you know, keep it simple and go back to the basics. All those cliches are true. Yet the growing trend of keeping uh, top of mind, which was email and then slowly LinkedIn, et cetera, they knew they had to do it. Um, you know, thought leadership, writing articles, uh, doing presentations, it's just old school. It's not something that LinkedIn invented. Um, it's been there for decades, hundreds, if not years, right? It's like, Lawyers were the original orators, so they knew they know about content marketing or education market or edutainment, and all those phrases were there. Um, it's just now dusting it off and, and calling it a blog instead of a, a FAQ page or a seminar page. So, so I, I think what was key about what you just said, talking about the five people who each referred a client last year, is that. One of the things that I run into when I'm talking to people about this is they'll say, well, I don't have a list or an audience that's a substantial number of people. Right. Right. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, another cliche that can be a little, little tired is that it's quality, not quantity. Um, and, and while the cliche may be tired, I mean, if you just look at the math, we all know, you know, we know our clients and we have in somewhere, at least our billing software. And we know uh, to some degree who referred them, um, and if not literally, we can we can make it up and, and like not you know just kind of from memory got it out, and it's a, it's a great exercise to do and to keep track of, and you just kind of shake it out, and you'll start to see these are my inner circle of clients that bring me new business, we're loyal, they rave about us. This is my inner circles when it comes to referral relationships. These are the people that I would love to have as referral relationships, but for whatever reason, I haven't unlocked it. And if we could just you know 
stay focused on that population. We don't need millions of YouTube viewers. We don't necessarily need millions of, of Twitter followers or uh, tens of thousands of LinkedIn connections. I mean, the quantity can actually lead to clutter. Um, and then that, you know, we have a different solution for that, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, I think way more important to go deep with those uh, relationships. And look, the reason we meet new people is to kind of see if they would eventually kind of filter into that inner circle. And, you know, they're, they're judging us the same. So it, we have to be careful of being too judgy, but um, we, we, you know, we have to be judicious with our time. And so I think in the world of internet marketing, um, we're not a spray and pray type firm. And that's not our philosophy that it, it is a very focused uh, effort. You know, not that blogs, LinkedIn posts, and email newsletters is a cure-all to everything, but it's the way that we can be efficient with our time when we don't see people face-to-face. Yeah, and, and a lot more cost-effective than sure. you know, a general advertising. Yeah, right? it, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, to, to your earlier point of, of word of mouth and uh, the way Yellow Pages, I mean, as we now know, Google has uh, kind of become the de facto Yellow Pages, and it still happens, you know, between in, incomplete information because they gave a phone number and I prefer an email or vice versa. I want to just call them instead of emailing. So that's incomplete information. Um, but then it's just kind of checking this guy out and kind of, is he or she legit? And, and that's really where content marketing, kind of the, you know, the basics of a copyright symbol on the bottom of a website, make sure it, it, uh, it's automatic so it turns to 2019 in a couple of weeks. So uh, it makes sure it at least says 2018 now. Uh, it says 2016, it's kind of like, are they in business? So that's like a silly basic. But then the frequency of content, of course, leads to SEO results, but it also shows that you're with it and that you're kind of on top of your game. Um, and, you know, people try to trick it by not including the date on a blog post, et cetera. But it's, look, you can very easily tell things are changing so much in so many different practice areas that, you know, you can easily realize that this is a couple of years old. A couple of months is a different issue, man. Well, you know, it's interesting, yeah. it's interesting that you talk about, you know, somebody checking you out because I've had... Um, on more than one occasion, I've had somebody approach me, send me an email because they wanted my help to work on a project uh, yeah. on a consulting basis. And they've said things to me like they were actually referred to someone else. Mm-hmm. But when they went looking for that person, they found this this vacuum yeah. online. They they just they didn't find anything. They didn't find right. articles. They didn't find content. They didn't find even right. the person had attended a, a seminar or anything. They just found right. nothing. And then when they went poking around on their own, they, they quickly stumbled across something I had done yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and felt more confident about approaching me than the person they were actually originally referred to. And, and I, I find that very interesting because it's, it's uh, people now are starting to be suspicious of firms, companies, advisors, individuals, et cetera, that seem invisible online. Right. Right. It's kind of like, if you're so good, why are you hiding? Um, And and I think we're all that way. So it's a great point because it's almost like the, um, the other end of the spectrum. It's, it's not only that you do it, but you also make sure um, that you're filling a vacuum um, that's there because it's, you know, we're, we're managing how people find us um, and how people uh, not only find us logistically, but also kind of that, that connection, like, can they really see that you're the right professional for them, the right advisor, the right consultant, lawyer, accountant, Can they kind of understand that this is the person that I want. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're a nice guy because sometimes they want a shark. 
uh, but they know either way that you're competent and you've got the character that meets what they're looking for. So when you, when you were, you started off back in, uh, back in like eight years ago, 2010, you were yeah. working with these people saying, you know, we need to have this fresh content. At what point did you realize that you weren't going to be able to get them to write stuff on their own, that you had to draw it out? Yeah, it was 2009. Um, it must've been like around uh, this time, maybe a little earlier, 2009. Uh, and um, that's when we started thinking of this, concept of like, let's just hop on the phone. In the beginning, we didn't charge them any extra. It was just like, we just got to get this done. Let's interview them over the phone. We'll type up what they say, get their After you had uh-huh. waited for five or six weeks for them to send something in and they never did. Yeah. it would. T- oh, yeah. and then talk about that. So then uh, originally it was, we'll do the interview. We'll type up the article. We'll now e- email it back to you and say, let us know when you've approved this article. I think I, I, I hear me say it now and my heart sinks. Like if I saw one of my staff write that, I would have been like, what? No, like not at all. Like that, we may as well just have not sent the email uh, and, you know, save them some heartache of guilt knowing that they're never going to do this. So, so it was just ridiculous. They were like, it's just five minutes. And it was literally a blog article should be read within five minutes. So to say that it's literally, you could read it within five minutes was not an exaggeration. Um, that was the intent. Um, so finally, we ended up going with a standing appointment of going, let's just, and we'll email you the article Tuesday before our Wednesday appointment. So you have a time to, to read it and review it nine times out of 10. They have not opened it at all. No big deal. Let's just read it together. And that was definitely a big domino piece because it was like, look, if we could just sit on the phone and essentially watch them read it for five minutes, A, we know it got done. But great. B, if they have any changes, we can now kind of see why and what's their thinking pattern because then we can incorporate that for next time um, and get it even better to the point where they read it, they love it. You know, it's like rubber stamp done. And um, you know, when it gets to that point, it's great. Everyone's happy. It's very efficient. Literally it's a five minute call. And sometimes there's small talk just because people feel telephone conversation needs to be longer because it was so efficient. So we will end up having small talk for five minutes just to feel as if uh, this wasn't uh, you know, a flu shot. So it was really easy. And I mean, I've, I've talked with people I know personally about, about doing more stuff online. And, and one of the things that does come up is, is compliance with regulatory rules. Sure. Like you can't say yeah. this, you know, you must say yeah. this, you must yeah. indicate this thing, maybe a license yeah. number for a mortgage yeah. broker or something the way like that. Have to be or citations. And, yeah. And so, so you're cognizant when you're working on these of the rules that that this person has. And it's like a second set of eyes to make sure that they're not breaking one of these things. Correct. Yeah. Part of the proofing aspect is uh, having for us to be aware, especially of attorney advertising rules um, and and what the AICPA and state society say, what uh, accountants are allowed to say, really certified public accountants. Um, But then there are uh, financial consultants. There's the, uh, um, certified financial planners, uh, then, you know, the SEC regulated, kind of the Series 7 folks, RIAs, which are registered investment advisors. Every one of them has some type of nuance. Uh, sometimes they have literally a process where they need to send the article to a compliance officer or someone on legal or some type of compliance uh, professional. And um, while annoying, we build that into the process where we know if that's going to be a black box that takes a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks to get approved, well, okay, let's do a whole bunch of articles, feed it into the black box, we'll get it out. Now we have three approved, that buys us right. time. So if you can imagine, now we can go into that consistent drip. 
so much of marketing, branding, et cetera, has to do with consistency. Um, and, and frequency is kind of built into that, but it's whatever frequency, be consistent. Um, but if it's going to be once a month or twice a month, we want it, want that, but how do we deal with the black box? And that's a nice, um, simple, you know, very obvious hack uh, that really isn't getting around any loophole. You know, there's no loophole. There. It's just building in the time that we know is going to happen, just simple planning. Um, and then and then out the other end, and as we develop a relationship, typically we can now, you know, as much as we could foresee 80, 90% of what a compliance officer is looking for, there's always going to be some nuance that uh, maybe is personality driven or what have you. It's subjective. It's hard for us to really catch, but we can start documenting it. And within two, three articles, we got the pattern. So we make it efficient for our clients. I mean, it's not harrowing at all for our clients. I know we're kind of used to it, so it's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really kind of get on the phone, talk about your article, you're done. And everything else is really just kind of approving the process so that nothing goes out under our clients' names uh, without their approval uh, because it is their reputation, let alone their license. And and the consistency thing, I think, can't be understated. I mean, it, things really changed for me four years ago when I decided to commit to a new YouTube video every week. Yeah. And, and releasing on Friday. Yeah. And people then start to know to look for it. But I, I believe it has an impact too Uh on things like the YouTube algorithm, you know, search algorithm, like when they see an account or a channel, excuse me, that is being consistent in the release of new material. uh, I think it gives the channel greater authority. So when, when new things come out, it's, it's actually viewed as more valuable by those you know, gremlins inside the black box that run everything. Like, right, right. And the algorithms are important. What's that? That's how I imagine that's it. That's how anyway. you imagine little gremlins uh, on, a, on a pinwheel kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it's important, right? So consistency on, uh, is, is important on so many levels. It creates the right habits for us, which lead to company culture. It's consistency when it comes to brand, and that's how we remember things is through repetition. The consistency leads to repetition and, and uh, and ultimately, that's all a brand is, is a kind of repeated message. So if you don't have a consistency, you could be repetitive, I suppose, but just inconsistent. And um, it, it's, you won't have the rhythm of the marketing uh, benefit of that cumulative result where uh, people are looking forward to it or at least expecting it, um, which is good because sometimes they, they will ignore an email or a post from like yesterday or if it was like on Friday, it's like, oh, well, I know David will post another thing on Friday. Um, so while not a good thing that they just ignored you, um, if it was like, oh, I have no idea when he's going to post, there's, there's, a, there's a less of a chance of them going back to it because unless there's a, something spectacular or special, mm. it's gonna, they're just going to ignore it. It's that cumulative where we keep seeing the same person over and over again um, that we curiosity builds, familiarity breeds trust and you know there's that saying in sales and marketing that we do business with those we know like and trust yeah. um, so likability is familiar you know comes from familiarity and we know the phrase of familiarity breeds trust so and that leads from consistency so it's like that's like the number one thing really that we provide for our clients and that we're always looking to achieve ourselves i mean it's it's like any other habit in our lives that or at least positive habits the bad ones are easy to stay consistent with it's, it's the good habits that take uh, discipline and accountability and infrastructure and it's all those stuff that we provide for our clients to see those results 
Um, but it's developing those good habits at the end of the day. Either they're posting content, we're posting on their behalf, or they're on LinkedIn and they're engaging with their VIP inner circles. It's one way or another is developing those positive marketing habits. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and so most of the time on the channel, we're talking about buying and selling businesses. Sure. And, um, one of the biggest things that people can do to generate value in a business that they intend to put on the market and they want to sell is these demonstrable systems that are documented. Sure. So <clears throat> for those of you out there who have any business, not just a professional consulting or a service firm, if you have a, an actual strategy about how you're going to build your referrals and your, your you know, repeat referability and your content marketing, you want to have it documented. This is what we do every week and this is how we do it. And we make a video or we make a blog post and then we put it on these social medias so that when a buyer comes along and they ask you, you know, how, how, you know, how do you get clients? You can actually show it to them. You say, this is the process we follow on a weekly basis in order to create more, you know, word of mouth feedback, et cetera. And when you don't see that, if you're a buyer, when you don't see that kind of thing in a business, I would argue it's probably an opportunity because a buyer could get in and very quickly gather some of those lists through customer information that, that would be stored in that business and start to create that kind of system. You know, I, I once knew a cabinet maker and he was complaining about how he was in a slow time of year. He was doing kitchen cabinets and things like this. And it was suggested to him, why don't you just call all your customers from the past year and say you're doing a follow-up warranty call. Do they have any squeaks or rattles or things that aren't quite right? Because you have time to go and fix them. And in doing so, he went and visited 20 or 30 people that he had helped in the prior year. And then all of a sudden, the phone was ringing because he became top of mind again to those people who started talking about their kitchen cupboards again with other people who, who became clients. So it's, it's reminding people, you know, and I get, you know, three or four times a year, I get a letter from my real estate agent who helped me buy this house. Happens, you know, you get it all the time. And it's important for a lot of people. Um, if people need some help, though, and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way that people can reach you, Vic? I would say email is probably the best. Uh, Vic, V-I-K, at phoneblogger.net, P-H-O-N-E-B-L-O-G-G-E-R.net, also the web address. So Vic at phoneblogger.net is probably the easiest way. Uh, I'm very easily found on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. So you can just look up my full name, which will be in the show notes. Um, very easy. In slash Vikram Rajan is for LinkedIn. Between the two, we'll, we'll definitely uh, connect. Awesome. Well, thanks, Vic. It was good to meet you. Have a great day. Thanks, David. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.